Good morning, everybody. Hey, turn your Bibles and your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. We're in the last chapter of Romans. Everybody say amen. amen. Hey, this is week 44, so 44 weeks in the book of Romans. And I can't guarantee we'll be finished with it next week, but uh, I think we might. That's the best I can do for you this morning. This message this morning is called People Matter, and people certainly matter to Paul. And so th- chapter 1 through 15, we see uh, Paul's vertical focus on God, on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 16, where we're at today, and we're going to start with verse 1, we see a horizontal focus. We see kind of a different side of Paul. And, and if I was to set up this scenario and ask you this question, if you could spend a day with the Apostle Paul and you knew it was on a certain day, I think most people would be a little intimidated. Just you and Paul, the Apostle. Think about it. He's kind of intense, very intellectual. No doubt you'd probably want to brush up on your theology, right? I mean, he's going to be giving you pop quizzes throughout the day. And I think a lot of times that's the the mindset or the understanding we have of the Apostle Paul. But you'd be wrong. Paul was an intellect, certainly so. But he was a people person, too. So he had that side of him. He connected well with people. And he was committed to Christ. And we really see that picture, that side of Paul, that people person side of Paul in chapter 16. In fact, chapter 16 is a often neglected uh, portion of Romans by teachers and preachers because there's not really any explicit teaching going on. It's a litany, a list of names that Paul is identifying, affirming. But, but I think there's something more there, and I hope, hopefully can capture it this morning in chapter 16. Let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, the indicators that tell us that Paul was a people person that he loved people. Obviously, he loved people. He was willing to go to jail and be locked up and scourged and beaten for the sake of the gospel because he had a heart that people would know about Jesus Christ. But that word greet is used a lot in chapter 16. In fact, 19 times in in greetings of different individuals. And then there's 33 names in, in chapter 16. 24 were in Rome, 17 men and 7 women. In addition to that, uh, two households are mentioned, uh, the mother of Rufus and the sister of Nerus. And and there's nine people that were mentioned, are mentioned in chapter 16 that were with Paul in Corinth. And Paul wrote Romans from Corinth, uh, eight men and one woman. So godly people that he mentioned. Some we know some some things about, others it's just a name mentioned for the first time. We really don't have any historical background on them. But we see that Paul was a people person. And we see the friendships that he developed through his missionary journeys, his ministry friendships. And it's interesting, one more tidbit about uh, the book of Romans, written by Paul. Paul had never been to Rome. And so we start. You ready? Romans chapter 16. Open up your Bibles, your smart device, church app. Starting with verse 1, and uh, let me just say that you're going to learn a different language today. Okay, I'm not talking about tongues. 
Okay, I'm talking. Probably going to learn some Greek, and uh, but you're going to hear me pronounce words from a Southern California accent. Okay, so you can figure out what I'm trying to convey right there. Starting with verse one, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Senatria, that you may welcome her. Paul says in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and myself as well. So here Paul, and I'm just going to break this down, Paul uses two verses to describe Phoebe. I mean, can you imagine being mentioned in the Bible? And we'll see as we continue that in this litany of names, Paul rambles off, he's not rambling, but he mentions names, people that he loves. But Phoebe, he devotes two verses and and um, she was a servant, a member of the church in Senatria, which was a neighboring port of Corinth. And many believe that was a church plant or a sister church of the church in Corinth where we get the letter to the Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians. And um, she was a servant. Here's a cool tidbit of information. Phoebe, she delivered, I want you to think about this, she delivered the letters of what we have today, the book of Romans. She delivered it, Phoebe did, to the church in Rome. Can you imagine having that task? So certainly she was trusted and beloved, but think about that. God used this woman, Phoebe. By the way, her name means, and names mean something. If you're not sure what your name means, look it up. You're going to find it interesting many times, maybe not all the time, but many times the meaning of your name kind of depicts some characteristics that you have, personality traits that you have. Phoebe's name means bright and radiant. Can you say that? Bright and radiant. That's Phoebe. And I think Paul did well in affirming her. I mean, she carried the book of Romans or the letter of Romans to the church in Rome and and at least that's what's believed. And, and Paul recognizes that. And so she's beloved. She's a servant. She's a sister to Paul, co-worker in the ministry. And it's just amazing that Paul took the time to devote two verses. And now we move on to verse 3 of Romans 16. Greet Prisca. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Some of your versions say Priscilla. Prisca and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risk their necks, Paul says, for my life. They risk their necks for Paul's life. To whom I not only give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. So what a great couple that he's identifying in one verse, by the way. And it, listen, it would take more time than we have to go through each one of these names and give you any and all detail that we have of them. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to highlight a few. And there's some really cool nuggets in here that I kind of blew my mind, and hopefully it will yours as well, in a good way. So Paul mentions in, in verses 3 and 4, I, I said one verse, two verses, he, he greets Priscilla and Aquila. They risk their lives. And obviously, 
we don't know exactly what that means, but obviously it's tied to the gospel presentation that Paul uh, got in trouble for so many times. And Priscilla and Aquila, they risked their lives maybe housing him and taking care of him and ministering, co-laboring with Paul. And um, they're mentioned six times in the New Testament. So a noted couple, here's, here's the fascinating thing, four of those six times, four of the six times that Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned, the wife's name's mentioned first, Priscilla. Ladies, say amen. Okay. Why did I do that? I don't know. But... But listen, um, why is that? I don't know. Um, I can only speculate. I don't like to do that, but I think I will. I think she was just a godly woman. And maybe she had just a bold, godly personality that, that, that just people noticed. And so four of the six times that this couple's mentioned in the Bible, the wife's mentioned first. And, and you think about that, the time that this was written, that was probably unheard of, right? It's kind of a male-driven society. So that tells you something, I think, and I'm making an assumption, that she was a godly woman, no doubt. And so we pick up in verse 5, greet also the church, and this is where we get into some great names, uh, greet also the church in their house, Talk to Priscilla and Aquila, greet my beloved Anybody want to try on that one? Epatentus. Okay. That's my Southern California accent. Who was first convert to Christ in Asia. This, this guy was the first, first individual Paul led to Christ. <laughs> think about that. I, I, some of you have great testimonies, but think about this guy's testimony. I got saved. Paul told me about Jesus. He led me to Christ. The Apostle Paul led me to Christ. What a great testimony. Can you imagine that? That's his first convert, according to Paul. Amazing. Amazing. And then Paul says in verse 6, Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia. And I want to just stop there for all those... Uh, mothers who might be carrying right now. We've got a few. I want you to pay attention to these names. Okay, you're thinking about a name for your child. All right, all right. These are good names. Andronicus. Phoebe, Phoebe is a great name. These are great names. I mean, let's bring them back. Okay, can we bring, all in favor? Can we bring them back? I mean, I look at my name, Stephen. Nobody names their kid Stephen anymore. They just don't. When I was a baby, obviously it was a popular name. I had a lot of uh, young boys in, in my classes growing up that had my name. But I never, like, what's your child's name? I never hear Stephen anymore. And I don't hear names like Andronicus or Junia. Uh, Paul says, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, they're all well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me. So these individuals were, their testimony, their legacy obviously had an impact on the Apostle Paul. Greet Amplitus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus. And I thought 
What a great name for a, a rapper, huh? Urbanus. Urbanus. Our fellow worker in Christ and my beloved Stanchies. There you go, Laura. That's a great name. Stanchies. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Boy, can you imagine being a little kid and you're just learning how to spell? Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. That, now, that's a name you don't want. Narcissus. Narcissus. Yeah, I knew. Can you imagine introducing yourself? Hi, I'm Narcissus. Yeah, we, we already knew that. A little spin-off on the word. And then verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord. And th this is really kind of cool. Tryphania and Tryphosia. Can you say that? Tryphania and Tryphosia. Uh, I don't even know if I pronounced that right. But greet the beloved Persis who... So Tryphania, Tryphosia, Persis who have worked hard in the Lord. Now here's a, a cool tidbit of information. Tryphenia and Tryphosia, they were probably twins and they were given those names together and their names, listen to this, their names mean dainty and delicate. So it's almost like Paul's kind of playing or toying with us with words because he mentions them dainty and delicate but he says who labor or work hard in the Lord and that, that phrase, work hard in the Lord, uh, implies a work that is so laborious it's exhaustive. Now, if you're in ministry and, and you, you, you've co-labored in ministry, you know at times it's exhaustive. I don't know why VBS comes to mind right now, right? But sometimes you're, you do it for Jesus and you love doing it, but many times it's exhaustive. And so... Uh, these two worked hard. Dainty and delicate, yes. But dynamite comes in small packages, doesn't it? Amen. And then Paul goes on to say, greet Rufus. Chosen in the Lord. In I'm in verse 13, Romans 16. So greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. For those of you who have plugged in to Eagle Ridge Church or in the past you've plugged into your local church, and what I mean by plugged in is you're not only a regular attender, but you're part of the body life. You're involved. And, and the church family really does become a family, doesn't it? The church family is a family. And we have our DNA family, right? And we have our DNA extended family, but then you have your church family. And there's just a continuity, a closeness, a kononia, that deep level of, of fellowship that, that we have. And I, I know it's different than the DNA family because the DNA family, you know, those who share your blood, your family members, there's never any strife or issues or problems, right? <laughs> no. Isn't that interesting? The church family is the same. We have the same kinds of challenges and and sometimes difficulties, misunderstandings, once in a while some conflict. And um, I shared this with the first service. God's given us a, I would call it a prescription or a process is probably a better word on how to deal with family dynamics that don't always go smooth. You, you care to know what the, that is? Okay. 
Glad you asked. There's a book in the Bible called Matthew, first book, Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 18 tells us how to deal with, with conflict. In fact, it tells us so specifically how to deal with when we're offended or hurt by somebody. We've all been hurt. We've all been offended by somebody, right? What it doesn't tell us, it doesn't necessarily tell us what not to do. It tells us what to do. Here's some things that you should not do. If you've been offended by somebody or hurt by somebody, what you should not do is go talk to others about it. Matthew 18 tells us to go to that person. That's the first thing you do. In fact, I would add something like a precursor to that. Before you go to that person, I would pray. I would seek the Holy Spirit because one of the attributes, and that word attribute is a word for job, one of the jobs or attributes of the Holy Spirit is to, to communicate clarity to us. Okay? So if, you go to, if you're offended or you're hurt, somebody's done something, it's created some pain, Maybe it's made you angry. Spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time asking the Holy Spirit to reveal. Many, many times it won't even get to the first stage in the process of Matthew 18, talking to that person, because God will just say, you know what, just pray for that person. And then it works itself out. You know what I'm talking about? But, but Matthew 18 tells us to go to that person. And so as the, as the Lord leads you to, before you talk to anybody else, before you get on the phone or text, man, I am so ticked off at, can you believe they said that? You go to them first. And you talk to them. And it says if, if you get it worked out, you've gained a brother, you've gained a sister. You know how it is. Well, you probably don't. If you're married and you have an issue, an argument, a disagreement, and you work through it, it you get closer. You really do. That's why the author of Matthew, Matthew says, you've gained a brother or a sister. You go to that person first and you, you work it out. Now, if they don't listen to you and you don't seem to get results, then it tells you to bring somebody with you, okay? And, but it's for the purpose of working things out, not to continue the strife or the riff or whatever you want to call it. So you bring somebody with you. You've gone to them. You didn't get any satisfaction no understanding, there's hostility, emotions are still flying. You bring someone else with you at that point for the sake of not proving that you're right, but to work through it, to gain an understanding. Maybe possibly sometimes and appropriately to compromise, okay? But you find yourself even at that point not able to work it out. You've brought somebody with you and then Matthew 18 says, then you get the church leadership involved. And, and then the process kind of heats up from there. But it's all for the sake of bringing harmony and understanding during times of conflict. And so, interesting, huh? Paul says, greet Rufus, chosen of the Lord, and his mother. Mark identifies Simon of Cyrene as the father of Alexander and Rufus. Why is that a big deal? Check it out. 
Mark wrote that gospel. And Rufus was the son of Simon the Cyrene who carried the cross of Jesus. Wow. Think about it. You know, when you were a little kid, it's like, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad can beat your dad up. Well, my dad carried Jesus' cross. I mean, Rufus. And so Paul says, greet Rufus chosen in the Lord. So some of these individuals, what a great legacy they have. Rufus's dad carried the cross of Jesus. Jesus stumbled, couldn't carry his cross anymore. They got Simon the Cyrene, and he helped Jesus carry the cross. That was Rufus's father. Wow. And then verse 14 through 16, greet and said, Critus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patatrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them greet Philologius, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. So you see this, this litany of names where Paul is showing his affection and, and affirmation of these individuals who many have co-labored with him. That's how he knows them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Obviously, some cultural ways of, of greeting that aren't necessarily applicable in our day, but were in Paul's day. And he says, all the churches greet you. So you have this parade of, of names in this closing chapter, and it just shows to me that Paul was a people person. He, he was a person after God. He was a person about the gospel and truth. And I've told you this so many times that, that if I was deserted on an island and I could only have one book out of the Bible, it would be Romans. It really would be Romans because there's so much there about everything, doctrine, theology, salvation, sanctification, redemption, everything in the book of Romans. But it's not all theology and it's not all doctrine. It's a picture of, of Paul's love for people so they know the truth of what he's been going through throughout the whole letter. And I can't think of a better exposition of the sincere care that Paul had for people than what is seen in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 7 and 8. Look with me at verse 7. I have it on the screen. It says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, Paul says, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. What a great picture of Paul sincerely caring for people, where they become so dear to him in the ministry that he was doing. Names were important to Paul. And you might think, you know, he's writing this letter and he's listing all these individuals that he's worked with. How did he remember their names? And keep in mind that many times Paul was locked up. He's had a lot of time to himself and certainly spent much time in intercession for these individuals. Knew them. They co-labored with him. He loved them. But, you know, when someone knows your name and recognizes your name, that's affirming. It feels good. Have you ever met someone and then you haven't seen them in a while and you only met them once and then you meet them again and they remember your name? 
It's like, whoa. And so that's how Paul was. It, I'm reminded of a, a national park. It's in Virginia. It's called the Natural Bridge. I don't know, have any of you been there? To the Natural Bridge. And Virginia, it's actually a natural bridge. It looks like a bridge, but it, nobody built it. God built it. And, of course, uh, many think it at one time was underneath the ground. It was a cave, and the rivers hewn it out. And now you have this great big natural bridge. You can walk under it. It looks like, almost looks like it's man-made, but it's not. It's limestone. And on this bridge, this natural bridge in Virginia, there are names throughout written. People, you know how they do. They graffiti. Up near the top, almost above all the names, is, is the name George Washington. George Washington. wonder if it's real. Well, they found through a lot of investigation that early on in George Washington, when he was a young man, he was a surveyor, and he helped map out that particular area of Virginia. In fact... Down in the river, they had stumbled across a stone that had the initials George Washington's initials on them and a surveyor's mark, which would coincide with all uh, the other information they had about him surveying in that particular area. So they came to the conclusion that that, in fact, was George Washington's name up written on that natural bridge, on that limestone. He just indulged himself to graffiti there, okay? There's something about getting your name known or hearing your name. There was an old sitcom growing up called Cheers. Remember that? The, the theme song, everybody likes to go where everybody knows your name. That's true. You know, when people say your name, speak your name, spell your name, it's significant, and certainly Paul, he knew this, and he affirmed so many here in this letter to the Romans, and it got me thinking, there's people that we know that don't know Jesus, that we love. There's people that we know that know Jesus, and they're struggling right now. I mean, who isn't struggling? Last couple of years haven't been the most joyous of years as a nation or as, as, a, as a globe dealing with a pandemic. So there's a lot of people struggling. There are a lot of people struggling with, with a sense of uncertainty. It, you know, it's hard to make plans when you're not sure what tomorrow holds. I mean, people are sitting on pins and needles right now with two cases that are before the Supreme Court about the mandates. So there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And a lot of people are struggling. And they experience or, uh, struggles differently. They grieve differently. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of depression. I remember as a young person in elementary school, the big thing that was talked about in all my classes, we did, you know, the schools do fire drills. We did bomb drills as a kid. 
and the alarm would go off, we'd have to go under our desk because a atom bomb won't mess with you if you're underneath your desk. Okay? You're safe. It'll wipe everything else out, but if you're an elementary school student and you get under that little wooden desk, and we did that. That did something to, it did something to our psyche. You guys know what I'm talking about that are my age. You know, if you're 20-ish or something, my age. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about. And it's like, well, why should I plan for the future? You know, the end of the world's coming. I wonder how many of our students, our young people, are thinking that way. What kind of hope do we have with everything? That, you know, what kind of hope do we have with education and schooling and pursuing different careers with all these things looming, all this uncertainty looming? So you can see a lot of people are struggling right now. So I was thinking about the message today and this litany of names that Paul mentions. And how many people we know, the litany of names, of people that we know. And, and here's what I believe the Lord put on my heart this morning. Do you know one person that needs a touch from God? I'm not talking about yourself right now. I'm talking about someone else. Do you know somebody that either you, they need the Lord Jesus, they need salvation, you know they're not saved, or maybe they are saved. They have a relationship with the Lord, but they're struggling. They're really having a hard time. Maybe they have a health issue. Maybe they're having an emotional issue. Whatever it is, what I would like to do right now is lift them up in prayer. And, and kind of get outside of ourselves thinking about where we're at. And let's think about someone else. And, and I want to pray right now that God, if you can't think of anybody, I'm going to ask the Lord to put someone, and it might be a couple of people, it could be a family, that God would put somebody in your heart right now. Let me just pray. Father, I just pray as we continue, Lord, that you would put someone or, or uh, maybe more than one person, a family, that you'd help us focus on just for a moment that is in great need, great despair, that needs a miracle. In Jesus' name. Let me, let me ask you, how many right now are, are mindful of, of someone or a family or, or a group? Raise your hand. That's good. I want to pray for them right now. Would you stand to your feet? Let's pray for them. And let's pray. And there are going to be points in the prayer that I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray with me in agreement. But there's going to be points in the prayer you just fill in the blank. Put their name in. You may not know their name, but God knows who he's put in your heart right now. Father, we lift up right now. You just fill in the blank. We lift them up. God, they need a miracle. It may be salvation, Lord. Soften their heart. Or bring them to an understanding that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ.
and Jesus Christ only. Lord, minister that to them. Do a miracle in their life. Turn them around. Lord, we lift up and just fill in their name. They need healing. They need a touch, a supernatural touch by you. God, they, they need you desperately. They need a miracle. They're stuck. And Lord, it may be a physical struggle that they're going, a health issue. God, we pray that you'd reach and touch and do an amazing miracle. Lord, do something beyond their expectation, our expectation. Let it and may it be used to draw them and their family closer to you, realizing that you are the healer. God, we lift up those, and you fill in the blank with their name, who are struggling with emotional difficulties, emotional issues, God, that you would, they're hurt, they're hurting, God. They're struggling. They're having a hard time getting up in the morning and, and even breathing. God, I pray that you touch their bodies and, and minister the great need that they have for you. Lord, we pray for those who are having relationship challenges. Lord, that you would mend hearts. And, and Lord... Give an understanding of the amazing gift of forgiveness. God, we lift up those who their work, their vocation, that which brings sustenance and, and, and finances to pay bills and mortgages, and it's on the line right now, Lord. It's uncertain right now. God, we lift those, fill in the blank with their name. Lord, that you would put peace in their heart and, and, and an understanding that you, God, are our source. We ought not to do anything that you've told us not to do or we don't feel comfortable with, but God, I pray that you would direct Holy Spirit and help those who are struggling with uncertainty right now with their work, that they would trust that you are our source. You own a cattle on a thousand hills, Lord. You can... You can certainly take care of every need your your word tells us that you do take care of every need and so lord we lift up those all of us and now god i just want to come to you with my friends here my family here and we god we ask that you touch our hearts individually right now can you say touch my heart god Lord, we ask that you fill us holy spirit to be the man or woman that you've called us to be, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Can you say amen? amen? Can you give the Lord an applause? Amen. amen. Well, go ahead and remain standing. The praise team is going to close us in song. I'm going to hang around up here after the service closes and some of our leaders will be here. I'm going to ask you this question. You hear this a lot, typically every Sunday. If you, and this sounds like, oh, it's, it'll sound abrupt, but there's a point to it. If you were to die today, and that's not my prayer. If you were to die today, do you know for certain, absolutely certain, that, that you'd spend eternity in heaven? 
if you have any doubts, any question marks in your brain about that, let's take care of business today. And I want to pray with you to get that right because Scripture tells us that we can have assurance of our salvation. Assurance is a word that means to know that you know that you know you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. And so I'm going to have some of my leaders and myself up here. Uh, if you'd like to give your heart to the Lord or maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, we're here for you this morning. If you need some prayer for other issues or you have a praise report, I'd love to hear it. We'll be up here for you after the service. God bless you.